Hello and welcome to another edition of the Inked Up Runner. This is Jason and on today's episode I have Show Gray. Show is the 100 mile record holder uh, here in the state of Tennessee. He also um, is a silver uh, medalist at a 24-hour event where he raced against Harvey Lewis. Um, Show also um, has ran countless uh, 100-milers from Leadville to Cruel Jewel. Um, he also has competed in multiple 24-hour events such as Desert Solstice. Uh, we talk about Show's uh, journey into running, how he got into it. Uh, the difference between running in Japan and in the United States and his upcoming plan uh, plans to run the Tahoe 200 next year. So everybody sit back and enjoy. All right, guys, I have got with me Show Gray. Uh, Show, like I mentioned in the intro, he is uh, the fastest 100-mile runner here in the state of Tennessee um, and his countless other achievements. Um, and he's, he's training for this big 200-mile race. I don't know if – I interviewed a guy last week or the last interview, not last week. His name was Wes Plate. He ran four 200-milers in a year. He did Cocodona, and then he ran the whole Triple Crown of 200-milers, which is crazy. Could, could you imagine? No, that's just – that is crazy. Maybe someday. <laughs> Maybe someday, right, when you got when you got plenty of time on your hands. Well, exactly. I, I appreciate you joining me. Um, so let's just jump right in. Uh, I mean, you, you, you're no stranger to running – um, you've, you've been running for a bit now. So how did you, like, how did, how did all this start for you? How did you get into the whole running gig? So, I mean, it's, it's a long story, but I'll try to share it as much as I can, but it all started when I was in sixth grade. So in sixth grade, I was a soccer player. I love soccer. Soccer was amazing, but my team kind of sucked. And no matter how much I tried, it didn't matter because the whole team needed to try. And so that was my sixth grade year. In seventh grade, my, my sister, who's a year younger than me, she's like in sixth grade, she wanted to try cross country. And I'm like, huh, in cross country, it doesn't matter what everyone else does. If I practice and try hard, then I'm gonna get better. So in seventh grade, I joined cross country and got faster. I was definitely not fast, fast, but I enjoyed the fact that, you know, the more work that I put into myself, the better I became. And so by the time I was a senior, I was decently fast. I mean, I wasn't anywhere near, you know, some of the other seniors in high school. But, um, oh, I'll, I forgot. This is all in Japan, FYI. Okay. <laughs> um, so, like, growing up in, in Japan, like, we, we had a little bit of a different time. Instead of, like, uh, states and nationals and stuff like that, we had – um we had a Kanto international schools and where we ran against each other and then afterwards we would go to um a different place uh, this time my senior year it was in guam and so in guam we had a 5k against all the international schools in the far east 
And so that was on Friday. And on Saturday, we had a relay race. And on Sunday, my coach was like, hey, there's a half marathon. And I'm like, what's a half marathon? He's like, it's 13.1 miles. And I'm like, I want to try that. So I raced the 5K, got like, you know, just a tad over 18 minutes. So again, not that fast. The next day I did a relay, which I did four miles. And then the day after I did a half marathon. Now in that half marathon, I mean, this was my first half marathon. So I just like, didn't know what to do, but I just kept running and I finished, I think an hour and 38 minutes. And I was like, this is a lot more fun than these five Ks. And so I decided then that if there's a half marathon, there's got to be a full marathon. So when I you know, went to college, I would definitely run a marathon. So from there, I went and in college, my freshman year, I signed up for my first marathon, not knowing that the Knoxville Marathon had a bunch of these hills. And so I was like, it's just a marathon. And I ran that. And I, I think it was like a three hours and 12 minutes for my first uh, full marathon. And I'm like, I like this. Junior year, I did my, you know, sub three hour marathon. And then I'm like, yeah, this is cool. This is fun. And after graduating college, I started, you know, being a real adult. And um, a friend of mine was like, hey, you like running? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, there's this 50 miler in Atlanta that you've got to run. I'm like, 50 miles? And so I read up on it. I'm like, I got like two months to train for this. So I jumped in, did my first 50 miler, or, or rather I did my first 30 miler and death march the last 20. And I was like, I want to do better. And from there, you know, little by little, I started learning more about ultra marathons and training better and doing a, a much better nutrition plan for sure. And now I guess, you know, hundred miles are my thing. And I get, and the next step from a hundred is 200. So that's where I am right now. Absolutely. So you, so you didn't even do a 50 K you just went straight from the marathon right into the 50 miler. Yeah. And, and so I guess you're, so you, you mentioned Knoxville, so you're in East Tennessee. So mm -hmm. So after, you know, having those hills and stuff, um, I'm not actually familiar because I know most of these North Face events aren't around anymore, which is mm -hmm. a shame. Um, yeah. Where, where was, so was this like a, uh, was it like a trail? Was it a trail road? What yeah, was it was it like? the North Face 50 mile in Atlanta that I did. And I think that was uh, 2011, I think, was when I did my first ultra. And, and, and it was a trail? Yeah, trail. So I just jumped into it with no trail experience whatsoever. Well, I, the good news is there's plenty of trails up there in, uh, in in your neck of the woods to run around in. Absolutely. So so you you got into the, the 50 miler um, and you you like that one obviously quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess when did you decide that you wanted to like. Like, you know, at that point, you know, how, what did you do to dial in your training to get, to get faster? Because, you know, just looking at some of your, you know, just looking at some of your, your times and stuff, like, you know, you, you definitely got faster 
fairly, it seemed fairly quick. So like, what did you do to dial in the difference between that one race to, to, to getting up to, you know, get, you know, getting your level up? So first I was just curious. So after the 50 miler, the next thing I did was learn how to race better. And so I signed up for a 12 hour race and in the 12 hour race, it was called a black mountain monster. Um, it was a 5k loop. So I had a station, which like I could make sure that I could get my nutrition dialed in. So I learned a lot more about nutrition. And then I went back and did the 50 miler the next year, the same 50 miler from Atlanta. And I was an hour faster. I'm like, this is cool. Um, but I had also done 62 miles in that 12 hours. So I'm like, if I could do 62 in 12, I could probably do 100 in 24. So I signed up again for Black Mountain Monster and did 100, except uh, they only counted full laps. So I had to do 102.3 miles. And so I was like, okay, I did that in about 22 hours plus change. Can I get any faster? How can I do that? And so uh, in all honesty, consistency is what's going to get anybody up to that level. And in training consistently day after day after day after day and getting used to the miles on my legs, it got a lot easier. Um, of course, there's going to be a different point where like uh, when, when I started going, getting faster and faster, I, I hit a plateau. And so there's only so much that, you know, just, just running will do. And so I needed to start implementing more speed and a lot more strength. And so that's where I started adding a lot more track workouts. And um, I don't know if track workouts are as popular in the ultra running world, but that's what I knew. And since I enjoy studying running a lot, I decided to implement like what I knew about running into my own life and added a lot of track workouts, which helped me get faster and use that speed and slow down for my, you know, long and easy runs. But having that speed in the, you know, in the bank allowed me to have that reserve so that I could keep on going. And when I first started doing these faster hundred milers, um, I just kept doing a run walk thing. And actually even the Tennessee, the current Tennessee record that I hold, um, it's like 15 and a half hours. So it's not really that fast, but, I was able to do that by running a mile, then walking for 20 seconds, running a mile, walking for 20 seconds, and doing that over and over until the last 30 miles, which I just ran it because I was just too tired and needed to just finish it. And so it, it's understanding how to pace yourself as well in the race. So I got the speed down, which is one part, but the second part was getting the pace down. And then the third part would be the nutrition, of course, because if you don't have energy, it doesn't matter how great your plan is or your fitness is, you're not going to finish. And, and to me, I think that's that's the hardest part is getting the nutrition figured out because you can you can do too much and you can do too little and depending mm -hmm. on, you know, depending on which direction you can go depends on how your body reacts. Either you can either you can, you know, kind of, you know, run out of energy or it can just, just outright make you sick. So I guess since you mentioned it, we'll jump into that hundred mile uh, Tennessee record. Talk about that a little bit. What, first off, what made you want to go for it? Where did you talk about where you did it at and, and, and kind of what that, what that whole experience was like for you? 
So I, I think there are only one or two places that you can officially get a Tennessee record in because it's got to be USATF certified. And I, I ran the course before. It's a it's called the Pistol Ultra, mm -hmm. and I'm going to be running it next year. And I'm actually going to break my record and do a, a lot better. So I, I mean that's the goal anyway. <laughs> but um, so I've done it before. I've paced and crewed on it before. I've ran the hundred miles before, and I thought that. I had the fitness to be able to beat the record. Now, the record prior to mine was, I believe, 15 hours and 30 some minutes. And so I was like, if I could go a fifth for 15:30, I would be happy. And so I just planned according to that. And all my runs were about closer to like a eight minute pace because a, um, I think it was, a, if you do a 9:15 or so, it would be about a 15 hours and 30 minutes for the hundred miler. So I, I, I would train at an eight minute pace for my easy runs to keep that easy. So that as I slowed down throughout the race, I would eventually balance out so that it would average out to a nine fifteen pace. And then I would, you know, see how much I can hold towards the end because I would plan on a positive split because I know that no matter what I do, there's something that's going to mess up and I got a plan for that. So for the race, um, I did what I knew best at that time, which was run for a mile, then walk for 20 seconds, then finish that next mile, then walk for 20 seconds. During the 20 seconds, I would drink a little bit or eat a little bit, nothing too much, because if I would eat a lot throughout the race, like, you know, I have like 15, every 15 minutes, eat a bunch or drink a lot, then my stomach would act up. So I kind of figured out that if I had um, just sips here and there and bites here and there throughout the race, it would provide me with enough energy without straining my digestive system. And um, when I would do that consistently, it would keep me going. And I would also make sure that when I'm walking, I'm taking it easy so that my heart rate's going down and then I would just go back up and run again. And it would never really go too high because I would always stop after every mile. So it kind of like a force pacing. Um, obviously now I'm at a different place where I'm learning to run consistently throughout the race. But at that time, that was what I knew was best. Now I knew my fitness was good and I believe that my, you know, my nutrition plan was good. But the hardest part is the hardest part for literally everyone, which is at the 70 mile mark. Um, I had 30 miles left and I was tired. Uh, it, it was miserable. I had 30 miles. And in order to get this, you know, the course record, the Tennessee record, I would have needed to average a 10 minute mile, which sounds easy until you put the 70 miles beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I need to do this. And I was like, oh, maybe if I do a nine minute mile for the first 10 miles, then I could do a 10 minute mile the next 10 and then an 11 minute mile the last 10 and I'd be great. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. So I pushed as hard as I could. I ran that, you know, 10 mile part. And when I reached the 80 mile mark, I had run a 958 or something like that. And I'm like, oh no, I can't do this. And so I was mentally done, but fortunately um, I have a great crew and the um, assistant race director, um, Mary Kate's shout out. Um, 
she was super helpful and she gave me uh, like so much positivity that I was like, okay, I just have to do this one more time and get that 10 minute mile in one more time. And at this point, the 50 milers were also running the night run. So I was like, I'll just run with them, which I mean, I don't know if it was the greatest idea, but I still did that. And I ran with them and, you know, I, I finished the next 10 miles at about a 10 minute pace. And I'm like, if I could do this one more time, I'll get it. And so I, I pushed myself, did my best. And it was a wonderful feeling only the last, I guess, 30 yards because I was dying throughout the last 10 miles. Managed to get there and I knew I had it and I was happy I finished. It was a great feeling, but there you go. So what what is your, do you have a specific goal you're looking at to 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 get next time around? I would like to get a sub 14. Sub 14. Yeah. That's, and, and I've never have, have ran the, the pistol before or run mm-hmm. the pistol before um mm-hmm. uh but it's 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 like on like a greenway type system yeah and it's, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of like an out and then you go back and you go out and you go back it's just it's yeah just it's a out. 10 mile out with the lollipop and a little branch out and back and then back and that's like a 10 miles and it's relatively flat and the good thing about a race like that is it's easy to it's easy to get eight at. You're not looking at big gaps where you you don't have, you know, eight if you need it. Um, I, I know a lot. There's there are <laughs> some ultras that have big gaps in between aid stations, and that can make it mm-hmm. tough, especially when you're trying to hit a time or you're trying to hit a goal or whatever. But you know, when you, you when you talk about like, you know, you have a really good pedigree of road and trail stuff. Do you prefer the the road stuff over the trail stuff or do you like them kind of both the same? What do you prefer? I think there's value to both. On roads and tracks, you can go for speed and practice becoming faster. Whereas on trails, you get to see more and there's like a lot of beauty that you're around. And um, it also requires a different kind of running and it helps you become a better athlete from a more rounded perspective because you have to adjust your cadence and such. So I think there's value to both. Um, I like going for speed, but I also like looking and being in a beautiful place. So it's a win either way. (laughs) It's a win either way. Yeah, (laughs) You know, I'm more of a... um... I prefer the trail stuff mainly because I'm slow as molasses um, on, on the road. And so when I'm on the trail, I actually feel kind of, kind of fast, but, um, but um, you know, I was looking at some of your races and one thing that jumped out to me is you've been to desert solstice a a few times. What was that experience like? Oh man, that's a totally different experience. Um, This, that that was very stressful actually. (laughs) Um. Desert Solstice is basically like a, in one of the races, it's like almost an invite only. And so like, that was the most stress I've ever had in a race. Um, I wasn't sure what was going on. I only knew people and it's, um, it's actually kind of a scary race. Uh, it's, it, it's definitely a lot different because like, for example, if I, if I would compare Desert Solstice and the Stinger, 
they're two different races in which desert solstice, the whole thing is a competition and you want to be the best. And this is like, I, I'm not, not like cutthroat or anything, but this is like iron sharpening iron and there's going to be blood kind of thing. And mm -hmm. it's a very, very high level in that sense. Whereas Stinger, on the other hand, it's a community oriented, supportive place. And so it's, it's a little bit more difficult to get a higher um, mileage because there's a whole slew of different um, types of runners from, you know, elites to um, beginners on the course. And so there, it's a completely different scenario. Over here, though, you have a lot of support, whereas in Desert Solstice, you only have the support of whoever's with you. And it's a very, very um, competitive thing. Again, it, it's a different type of race for sure. And I um, mean, I learned a lot from it. I also failed quite a bit on that. So, <laughs> so, so how did you, so how, so, so how did you get into it? Like what was, what you said, it was kind of tough to get into it. Was there a, a, a way that you qualified to get into it? I ran the um, Mills Mile, uh, that was a long time ago. Excuse me, I'm coughing right now. <laughs> um, uh, I ran 123.775 miles in Merrill's Mile, which was my PR, and it's been like since 2014. And um, from there, I asked if I was good enough to go in and they were like, sure, or something like that. And like, they got me in. So I, that's where I was like, because apparently that was where the elites go. And I was like, okay, I'm like on the bottom of the list, but I get to run against people. And so the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to learn a lot, which I did. And exactly. so that's how I got in. And that's how I learned a lot. That's how I ran with some of the best runners out there. Yeah, because I saw I was looking at the this what the 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 twenty eighteen year that you ran it in. Um I mean it's like a who's who of running. Camille was there. I think that was the year that Camille did like a hundred and sixty something miles. You had you had Greg Armstrong, Nick Curry, um Bob Hearn. And Bob Hearn is a freaking stud. He was the one who wore the thong at um Havelina um and I've, yeah, I've got to i got to interview him he he also is the one that owns the record for vol state so like mm -hmm. bob is like a he's a monster but he is a monster he's a also he's a data guy and i'm like i really appreciate that because i study data like none other and i look up to him because he is a, such a data nerd and i'm like i want to do that I, I i do have to ask you though i do have to ask you you beat Courtney to Walter, so you actually can talk a little trash. You can be, no, like, no. You, can be like, you can be like, look, I beat Courtney D at Desert Solstice. N nobody has to know how or why. Everybody has good races. Everybody has bad races. <laughs> but we all know at the end of the day who's up there and who's trying to make it up there. So, no, I'm not going to do that. That's, uh, that's not respectful. <laughs> We okay. all know where, where she's at, and I'm still catching up there. No, I, was, I, I will was catch her, though. I was talking about at that race, though. You beat her. You know, she was. She yeah, was, no, no, it doesn't count. <laughs> it was pretty cool, though, still. But, uh, but 
but, but anyway, you know, um, and I think one of the other cool things um, that we were we were talking about, I guess, before the interview is you you did a, a 24 hour event that you got a silver medal at. Talk about that. A little yeah. Bit. So um, in 2019, the USA track and field, uh, the national championships for the 24 hour race was held in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I had trained pretty decently for that race. So I was ready for it. I was going to do high mileage. It was all going to be amazing. Um, except it wasn't. And it wasn't just me, but for the whole field as well. I started out, I think, about third or third through fifth or something like that. There was a good number of people that were up there. Um, Harvey Lewis was um, the obvious leader of that race. Yeah. And he was doing fairly well. But what we hadn't gotten ready for was the heat. It was September, and it should have been quite cool. But for some reason that day, it was very hot. And I was, I, I knew that I was weak against the heat. So I was like, this is not going to be a runner race. I'm going to stop right now and walk. Take charge of my hydration. Take charge of keeping myself cool. It doesn't matter how many people pass me. I'm going to let them do their thing. I'm going to take care of me and do the best that I can. And so immediately from, you know, about midday all the way up until about 5 p.m. I, 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 yeah, so I, I was walking. And it was, it was not fun because I had all this fitness, but I wasn't able to do anything with it because I knew how much the heat had impacted me. And I was trying to conserve all that for the night. By the time I think nine o'clock rolled around at night, I was, I think somewhere around 15th place and everybody had, you know, made it up quite a bit. And I was like, okay, this is where I'm going to start catching people. And I started picking people off little by little because it, in my brain, I was like, I'm smarter than they are. I mean, of course, everybody's different. Everybody's in a different place, but I needed to tell myself something positive. And so I was like, okay, I did this. It was a smart thing. I have more energy than everybody else. I can catch them. And so telling myself this positive, you know, thoughts and saying, I can do this little by little, I started catching people. And before um, three o'clock or two o'clock in the morning, I had managed to get myself into top three. And little by little caught up to second place. I was asking my uh, crew member saying, hey, where's number two? Am I going to catch him? And he's like, at one point, he's like, no, you're never going to catch number two. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because you're number two. And I'm like, why? And so that, that was a very, very happy time. And I was like, can I catch Harvey? Uh, short answer, no, I can't. Um, but um, during that time, I was like, maybe I could. And so I started clicking off 730 miles to see if I could hold that because that's how much it would have taken to catch them. But what ended up was most everybody that was ahead of me during the day had dropped out by the time uh, night came because of the heat, because the heat had impacted so many people. And um, I had run, I mean, one of the smartest races I've ever run because I kept my cool and just slowed down and walked for hours. And even though it wasn't the um, furthest that I've run in 24 hours, it was the smartest race that I've ran. And I think I got 114 or 118 miles that day, which isn't that much, but 
it was enough for a silver medal for the USA championships in 2019. So that's that's exciting, though. I mean, you know, I mean, how many people can say they're chasing Harvey Lewis? I mean, you were the only person you were his number one competitor that race. So that's pretty cool. So listening to you, you seem to like these 24 hour style events. What are your thoughts jumping into like a backyard style event? Um, And I know we're talking about significantly heavy, heavy miles, but I mean, would that be Mm -hmm. something that would ever kind of interest you? Cause I know you mentioned 200 milers. So I just thought, yeah, I had to mention the backyard. Well, first I want to get to a point where I can run far, but backyard is a whole different beast. Um, I've always had a part of me has always been interested in that. And I have this naive thinking, and I will admit it is very naive and very stupid of me to think that I can do 200 miles in this way, which it could be possible. I don't know, but it seems easy because it's about pacing and it's forcing you to pace. And so I'm like, I can do that. But here's the one thing that I'm worried about in backyard racing. After that, to the second day or on that second day uh, during the night, am I going to make it? Because I like to sleep. <laughs> the whole reason I decided to do 100 milers and do fast 100 milers was because if I finish fast enough, I can go home and sleep. I was like, that makes life easy. Well, that makes sense. So the backyard, I, I'm con- I, like, I have this like cockiness of like, oh, I can totally do that, but that is naive of me to think of that because I know that my weakness is going to be the moment night comes on the second day. Am I going to make it? I have no, no idea. That's true. That's, that's a whole different thing. Cause even with a 200 mile race, you, you can sleep. Um, yeah. I um, mean, it was, it was interesting. Cause like I was telling you before, uh, you know, right when we started, you know, I interviewed Wes plate who, uh, who ran Cocodona and did the triple crown and it was funny listening to him. He barely slept at all. Um, and I think he ended up coming in seventh overall. What they do is they take the three races and they do a mm-hmm. cumulative ranking. And yeah. he came in seventh overall among the three races, which is just crazy because, you know, in, in listening to him, he was talking about his mileage and like his mileage a week was – 50 miles a week and every now and then he would jump up to like 70 and even he wasn't even doing 50 miles a week so it sounds like the you know listening to somebody like him and he's a 200 mm-hmm. mile specialist is it's mainly just like the way you handled your yourself at that at that event with harvey where you manage your effort because it seems like the, these 200 mile uh, races are all about managing your effort you don't go out mm-hmm. too quick you don't go out too slow. You go out just right, and then you just manage that effort throughout, and then you can you can you can finish it. So, I mean, I think based off of listening to him, that seemed to be the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because not everybody's Jeff Browning, who uh, you know, it's funny. I interviewed him right after he got his uh, FKT at the the uh, you know the rim the rim the rim. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about doing the two hundred miler, his first two hundred miler. And it's funny because he was, he was like, yeah, I have a client that 
ran it last year and he was like, I just want to beat his time. That's all I care about. And then of course, you know, Jeff goes out and he wins the whole damn thing, Mm -hmm. you know, which is like not many people can do that, but it's just like, it's interesting because more people are jumping into that distance and seeing mm-hmm. you dabbling in it a little bit. What's it like? You know, which mm-hmm. I don't think I would ever want to to do anything like that. But you have a you long say time that now. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, a long time. I mean, you and 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 you have a long time before you have to run the race. I mean, you got June of next year before you have to yeah. you get into Tahoe. So. I got a few questions. I'm trying to, I don't want to jump around too much, but I'm going to jump around a little bit. So you, you said you were in Japan. How long were you in Japan for? And how would you compare the running, the competitiveness in Japan versus the States? Okay, so I was born and raised in Japan, uh, 17 years there. And I came to college in America. So uh, Japan's running community is, different uh i mean it's, it's it, i can't say anything positive negative different it's just different it's just completely a different thing um in america we have the you know uh football in japan uh and actually in america let's just say we have the super bowl in japan we have what's called the hakone ekiden which is a relay race uh that they do at the beginning of the year so january 1st uh, they have um, the top uh, athletes of the uh, uh, at the university level, and there's ten of them. Five of them go out on the first day, and then five of them come back on the second day. And it's a super long relay race that everybody in Japan watches. And so I, I believe the viewing is more than percentage-wise more than what Americans would watch um, for the Super Bowl Sunday. So that's how crazy running can be, especially New Year's Hakoneki Dam. Um, another thing that I have to say is like totally different is in America, uh, there's different seasons like cross country, track, uh, indoor track and outdoor track. And, and there's that in Japan too. But in America, there seems to be only a few people that are crazy and, and do all three of them, you know, like cross country, indoor and outdoor track. Whereas most um, most Americans, most schools don't have indoor track. And so you would do cross country, something in the middle and then outdoor track. In Japan, they only have that one sport of running. And so that's all they do. So, I mean, they have cross country and all that stuff, but it's just ne- it's a never-ending season, and because of that, they just continue to push people, push people, push people, and get faster and faster and faster. And um, because I like studying, I was looking at um, the number of Japanese athletes that are like super fast in the marathon, and there's quite a few actually mm-hmm. that I that I found that more than America, which is weirdly enough. I mean, I'm, there, there's quite a few, uh, like, uh, there's individuals in America that are faster than Japan, but as a group, there are so many athletes that can run, I, I was it a sub 210 or something like that, in Japan compared to how many people in America can run a sub 210. And it's crazy to think that it all starts because running has been embedded since you were in elementary school going all the way up until like post collegiate 
And so it's, it's a nonstop, continuous running, running, running. It's all speed oriented. And you start with the you know, shorter runs, get further and further. And all of a sudden you have a super fast marathon runner. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely different. I, like I said, I can't, I can't say if it's a good or bad thing because in some sense, that's a lot of pressure and it does cause people to burn out. But it also does... I mean, looking at the numbers, it does, it does say that, um, people have, I and mean, there are results, there are good results from it. So. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and I, I guess it's, it's the culture there. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. like American football is the culture here in baseball, mm-hmm. right? but it, you remember, and I, I'm, I'm sure you do, you remember, what was it? 2018, the Boston marathon. Remember it, oh, yeah. that terrible weather. And mm-hmm. then you had the, you had the, the Japanese uh, ultra runner slash road guy. I think his name was like Yuki. Yeah. I'm sure I'm going to butcher his name, but uh, Kawachi or something like that. Anyway, oh, yeah. Remember, he ended up winning the Boston Marathon. Yeah. And they said they attributed that to the fact that he was such a, like you had mentioned earlier, a, such a strong, well-rounded runner that mm-hmm. he was used to running in garbage conditions because he was a, a an ultra runner. He had a, a very strong road background as well. Mm-hmm. And when, when all of these, uh, you know, marathon folks, road marathon folks were struggling to pull themselves together in that garbage crap, rainy, cold weather, yeah. he was just like, Let's go. You know, this is this mm-hmm. is my element, y'all. This I'm I'm about to bring it home. And he won. And that's and I think that really speaks to kind of what you're talking about, about how that the culture there in Japan builds a much more total package style runner. Yeah, a, a strong athlete. Um a word that um I, I like to use is in Japanese is called gamma which uh, translated means perseverance, but it's, it's a, again, it's a double-edged sword because again, if you do gamma, if you persevere too much, you might break. But in being able to gamma and being able to persevere, you're able to forge yourself and become stronger because you're putting all that energy into who you are, your character. And as your character develops, it becomes stronger and stronger. And I I think that part of the culture really helps with long distance running. Yeah, I I think, I think, I think that's, that's very well said. So, you know, I could sit here and go through all your races and talk to you about them, but I'm just going to dial in on a couple that just, that just jumped out at me real fast. You ran Cruel Jewel oh man yeah i just jumped into it i was not ready and i was like you know what what better way to get ready for a race than jumping into a race so it just i guess the main question is is anybody ever truly ready for cruel jewel i'm sure the answer is yes but man it is miserable um don't do what i did which was just jump in with hardly any training because i'm like eh, might as well try because i mean let's see what happens but even with proper training um not only do you get the elevation 
uh, so much ups and downs, but the amount of humidity that you have there is crazy. And so you lose so much and you start going crazy because you're like, I'm losing water and I can't see clearly. And so it's, it's, it's a very hard race to prepare for. And I, now I'm just like, maybe I should sign up for that again. But <laughs> and then, and then of course I, I see you sporting your Leadville, Leadville jacket there. <laughs> what, what, what was that experience like for you there? Outside of not being able to breathe, it was fun. <laughs> Um, it was, I mean, I'd say the first 40 miles and the last 40 miles were the most fun. The middle 20 miles, not so fun. For some, like, not for some reason, anytime I went over 10,000, like 11,000 feet, like, so basically the first time going up Hope and then coming down and going back up Hope's fast and then coming back down, I could not breathe. I was just kind of like painstakingly slowly making my way through. I mean, I had my poles weren't doing anything because my hands were jello just because I couldn't breathe. It was, I mean, it was a lot more different than I've ever, any other race. It, it's a flatter race than you think, because um, you think that in Colorado, the mountains are like crazy there, but Leadville is actually a lot more flat. And, and at Hope's Pass, when you go up to that point, if you're not, acclimated to the air or lack thereof then that's where it's going to kill you but fortunately I had banked enough time and so I was able to climb up and go down the other side and climb back up and go down the other side and you know I, I believe that most people would uh, get kicked off the course after you come back ho hopes fast because that's where the, you know, like they missed the time or something like that. I, I was able to make that by, by long shot because I had the good first 40 miles, but man, not being able to breathe, it does make a difference. It, so. it's, it's, it's funny. I had a friend who ran that, who ran that race and um, he was funny because he talked about that hope pass climb and it's for, and he's from here. His name's Jason, uh -huh. Lloyd, Jason Lloyd. And, mm -hmm. uh, and he, it was funny because he didn't have problems breathing. It was funny. He, he said he got up to that point and that was the only area where, you know, there was really not a lot of crew. There was no crew there. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that's the, really the only area that he got to take it easy because he was like, thank God I didn't have a crew there telling me to get my ass moving. He goes, so I got to actually relax there for a minute. And he goes, and then I, I had to get moving again. But, mm -hmm. you know, he, he said great things about that race and that, you know, it was just, it, it really is a, a really a, a great event. But, but I think, you know, just kind of, you know, closing things up a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. you, you, you got the Tahoe 200. Yeah. What does, what, what are your, what, what's your goal for that? Like what, what oh. <laughs> cause I know you I'm like, do I want to share? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So um, here's the thing. Okay. I don't, I don't, uh, for that race, I kind of want to keep it a secret because I really want to do very well. And it, I had a dream about that race. And in my dream, there is a specific number okay. that I saw at the finish line of my dream. And let's just say that it's faster than the other times that are on the list. I got you. 
So I'll, I'll leave it at that and say, we'll see if I'm, again, being too naive or if my dream's going to come true. Well, what, what we'll have to do is, is, is we'll, after, after Tahoe, you, we'll, we'll see how you feel about it. And then you can come up, come on and tell us all about how, how, how it went for you, because sounds like a plan. That, that's a, that's a, that's a super good event. I guess my, my, my last question for you, I got two yeah. questions. My last question is you're in, in East Tennessee. Do you spend a lot of time running in the mountains up there? Um, uh, yes i've started to um at first again i was more road speed oriented but ever since uh discovering more and more fun of trails i've decided that like I've, i'm going to do a balanced running where i'd say a third of my runs are going to be on the track a third of my runs are going to be on the road and a third of my runs are going to be on the trails now there's quite a few trails that I live by. Like I specifically bought this house because I can run on those three places. They're within, I mean, everything's within a running thing for ultra runners, but for me, especially not even a mile away, there's a trail system and there's a track, a stone's throw away from me and a mile from like half a mile from me. And I have, I can run to a greenway super easy. So everything around me, I can run. The Smokies are an hour away, but I have started to enjoy, um, in the especially the last year, um, running up and down the mountains there. And I'm starting to get interested in, or I've, I've actually already done some Strava segments on the longer ones and just going for the crowns because it seems like a lot of fun. It's funny, you actually took one of my very best friends Strava segments from him. Sorry. Uh, it was the uh, it was the boulevard segment. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was funny okay. because we were talking about it before we came on. I was like, you know, cuz I was like prepping for the prepping for your interview and I was I was texting my friend. I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, I, this is what I have, you know, is there something about him that I'm not, I'm missing, you know, I, I want to not miss something, you know, I, mm -hmm. and uh, he was like, oh yeah, he, 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 it was funny because the guy who, who you took the record didn't say anything, but the other guy who's in our, my chat group, my, my, uh -huh. my group chat, he was like, oh yeah, by the way, he took Will's uh, segment up there on, on the boulevard and uh, it, it, it will, it will finally came on and he was like, tell him to give it back. And then my friend John came on and said, go get it. <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm sorry I took it, but it was just so tasty. I had to take I it. I know, man. I'm, I'm not taking, the only segment I'm taking up there is a SKT, the slowest known time. So, but, uh, but that's awesome, man. So, uh, so I guess, you know, I always ask this, I usually end every interview like this, what mm -hmm. is like, What's your in? I mean, do you have like an in, like some sort of big goal that you're looking to do with this, uh, with with running? I mean, you know, do you have like like some sort of larger goal that we haven't talked about that you really are are looking to achieve? Because just looking at you, your numbers, you you you're, you you have you have like a ton of potential, and I didn't know kind of what you're wanting to do with all that potential. Whew, that's a hard question because there's so many things that I want to do, but um, simply put, I want to be the best that I can be. 
And whether that be on trails, on roads or track, I want to be strong. And I want to seek what it means to become strong. And so I'm on a, I'm on a journey to see how strong I can become. As a trail runner, I want to see myself. Um, I mean, I, I, it's hard to say just, you know, winning races, but you know, like that, that's great and all, but I want to see myself going through races and finishing the race, knowing that I was like, I was able to finish it with the strength and continue to train and going into road races, going and running the speed that at which I'd be proud of. Um, and for, for hundred miles, I wanna get sub 14, I wanna get sub 13 eventually um, for, for roads or track or something like that. For um, the trails, I am, uh, next year I'll be running on at UTMF, so Ultra Trail in Mount Fuji. And so I will be running that race and I plan on doing well. And <laughs> again, well, um, if you know what that means. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I want 2023 to become a stepping stone to the next level of my running. Um, I've little by little, changed my life in a way where I've begun to, um, financially speaking, support myself with running and coaching and things like that. And it's given me a lot more freedom to be able to run because th that's been the plan all along to give myself the time so that I can train properly. And now that I have the time, I'm training better than ever and becoming a little bit stronger getting myself to being part of team USA would be a great goal that I would love to be a part of, whether it be in the 24 hour team or uh, mountain running or something like that. It, I, I'm not exactly sure. I think over the next couple of years, the answer will present itself because my main next step, the main thing is for me to become a stronger athlete. So Finishing well at getting my course records down to 14 hours, win, uh, winning UTMF and I guess Tahoe, if that's possible, we'll see. Um, and seeing from there how much stronger I can become. So that's I don't awesome. know if that answers your question, but no, it really does. I mean, you know, everybody's got, you know, everybody's got a pathway they're looking at. And, um, you know, it seems like you're on a, a great trajectory just to keep, keep hammering down. So, but I really appreciate it. I, you know, it's, it's always great. I love, I love meeting, you know, new people and I love meeting local people. I mean, I'm, I'm not very far away from you. I'm, I'm in Murfreesboro, which is, you know, a couple hours and 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 I used to live in Knoxville, so uh, you know I I know the area very well, and I go up to the mountains and run quite a bit. I'm in the process of trying to plan a Lacan run right now with a friend. So nice. Uh, so, but I appreciate it. Um, you know, as always, guys. Uh, these these um, these will be there'll be a video version. There'll be an audio version. I know a lot of people don't care to watch video version; they'd rather just put it in their ears and go on a run and listen to it. So there'll be a little, there'll be both of these. And, um, and until the next time I'll see you on. The